0: Shortly before Judas would betray him, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Knowing exactly what was coming, realizing the price he was beginning to pay for all the sins of the world, he bled at every pore for all of God's children who had lived or ever would live upon the earth. As President James E. Faust wrote in the lyrics for the song, This is the Christ, How many drops of blood were spilled for me? The pain he felt, we cannot comprehend. The suffering he endured, we cannot imagine. And how did he ready himself? What did he do as he began to give his life for us? He prayed. He called upon his Father in heaven, just as we must do when we are facing any trial that comes to us. I believe that the words he spoke to his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane are perhaps the most important words he uttered in mortality. His prayer is found in John 17, and I will not repeat all of them, but I will highlight those that I believe hold particular importance for us on this Easter Sunday. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. The Savior knew that he would be crucified, and from his prayer we know that he was ready. He had been preparing himself for that moment from the day he was born. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Jesus knew that he would soon be with his Father in heaven and no longer with his disciples on earth. And what was his strongest desire? What did he want for his disciples more than anything else? He wanted them to be one, to be united, just as he and his Father are united. A journalist once asked President Hinckley, So, what was Joseph Smith's greatest contribution? Without hesitation, President Hinckley declared, The Prophet Joseph taught us the true nature of God. All other Christian churches at that time were teaching that God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost were one being, the Trinity. But because of the first vision, Joseph learned that they were three separate beings and that the Father and the Son each has a body of flesh and bone. This was a radical notion that at that time, and is still radical to many. But Christ's prayer in the garden makes it so clear. He and the Father were physically separate beings, just as his disciples were physically separate beings. But Christ was praying that his disciples could be one— as he was one with his Father. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. This verse extends his prayer to everyone, to you and to me, to all of God's children. Then the Savior repeats his plea, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. We attend sacrament meeting each week so that we can become one with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. The sacrament is an ordinance of oneness. We symbolically take the Savior inside us. We become one with Him. And the glory which Thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and Thou in me, that they may be made perfect And one. I believe the Lord repeated his pleading for oneness because it is the most important thing we do in mortality. We want to be more than close to the Father and the Son. We want to be one with them. We want our will to be the same as their will for us. But the Lord also prayed that we might be one with each other, not only with the Father and the Son, but with each other, Oneness is our goal in marriage. Oneness is our goal as we raise our children. Oneness is our goal with all of God's children. Unity. I love this word, unity. It means we become unified even though we are separate, even though we think differently, react differently, learn differently, repent differently. Still, we can become unified. That was Christ's final prayer, his most heartfelt plea. So how do we do it? How do we find oneness and unity in a world that is so filled with arguments, disagreements, conflicts, and wars? We can begin by doing what President Nelson urged us to do in April conference. We can end conflict. He asked that we end all kinds of conflict, especially the conflicts that emerge in our own lives. The conflict that rages in Eastern Europe is unspeakably troubling. But the conflicts that rage in our own hearts may, in some cases, be more difficult to end than the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. It is possible to be in conflict with oneself. We've all experienced it. It's an unsettling feeling. Part of us wants one thing, and part another. Some are simple conflicts, like, I want a new car, but I don't want to spend the money. I want to pursue a new career, but I don't want to complete the education that is necessary to prepare myself for that career. I want better physical health, but I don't want to change what I eat or how I exercise. I want to deepen my spirituality, but I don't want to spend the time to do it. And what if we have conflict with a spouse or family member? President Nelson is urging us to end it. Just let it go. But some conflicts within families go on and on and are challenging to solve. I read recently that 20% of all adults in the U.S. are estranged from at least one family member. And how did the researchers define estrangement? Not speaking with a family member at all for at least two years. In addition, they found that 40% of adults have experienced that kind of estrangement at least some point in their lives. This is why President Nelson is asking us to end conflict. He could have repeated Jesus' words in the garden, be one, be unified. What steps can we take to find oneness? First, we can get on the covenant path. Covenants unify us with God, and the more we keep them, the more we become unified with those we love. Baptism is the first step on the covenant path. It's an ordinance of oneness, as are all ordinances. We take the Savior's name upon us. We commit ourselves to keep His commandments. The more we do, the more oneness we feel with the Father and the Son, and the more unity we feel with our family and friends. Then, when we partake of the sacrament each week, we renew that baptismal covenant, and when we go to the temple, we make covenants that again tie us to God and His children. The crowning ordinance of the temple is clearly an ordinance of oneness—a husband and a wife— kneel across the altar, and make covenants to be one. Oneness in an eternal marriage is literally the key to exaltation in the highest degree of glory in the celestial kingdom. My prayer today, on this day before Easter Sunday, is that we can hear the words of the Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was praying for us, that they all may be one as we are one that even though we are separate beings with different likes and dislikes, we can learn to be unified, to be one. I bear witness that by making and keeping covenants, we can become one with the Father and the Son and with those we love. I bear witness that on that fateful day, Jesus completed the mission for which he was sent to earth. He suffered and died and rose the third day. He felt all of the pains we will ever feel in this life. He knows our struggles. He knows our conflicts, both within ourselves and the conflicts we might have with others. And his desire, as stated so plainly by President Nelson, is to end those conflicts so that we can become one by embracing his mercy and his grace. I bear witness that he lives and that he loves each one of us.